0: Acts chapter 6, I'm going to be, for those of you that have electronic Bibles, I'm going to be a lot out of the Amplified, and we'll try and have as many of those on the screen as possible. This particular verse is NLT. No reason I chose that. It just, it was the first one that came up, and I, I put it in my notes. So it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Isn't that how things happen sometimes? Even among the New Testament church, there was discontent. The Greek-seeking believers complained about the Hebrew-seeking believers or the Hebraic believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the Twelve called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. Well-respected, I want to tell you right now what that word means. Because I want to focus on some other areas. That the word there. The Greek word is martyreo. Which many of us would recognize. In the English version. As the word being martyr. Interesting. Almost like a prophetic word. But the word means to be a witness. To be a witness. You don't have to die to be a martyr. You can be a witness. Like I said. I got to focus on something else. And our full of the Spirit and wisdom. Some versions say it's full of wisdom and of the Holy Ghost. Or full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Father, we come before you today. And we thank you that you gave the Word of God to us. Jesus, we've worshipped you, we've praised you, and we know your presence is in this place. Holy Spirit, we now ask that you would come and that you would quicken our hearts, that you would change us from the inside out by your word, because this is the word that you wield, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. God, there is nothing I can say in my own language. There is nothing that I can give in a great example that can truly and fully impact any person's heart in this room or watching on the internet right now except your word. So I pray that your word will go forth and do its work in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Today I want to preach a message to you that has been burning on my heart all week long. And I'm not going to go through the whole week, but this week began, of course, last Sunday with Easter Sunday. And what a great Sunday. But really, when I say week, I'm really meaning about the last nine to ten days. God has been doing some things, and we'll hear testimonies in the future about even some of the things that have happened this last week. But God began to put something in my heart and and when we came to Wednesday night, I, I taught out of this passage, and actually the last few Wednesdays we've been we haven't got much past Acts chapter six. Hopefully by this next or by this coming Wednesday we'll get into seven or eight or nine. But but I couldn't I just haven't been able to get past this chapter. And the Lord kept bringing me back to it and bringing me back. And so I taught on it on Wednesday. And so for those of you that were here Wednesday, you might hear a couple of things that we talked about. But then the Lord just kept taking me deeper into this. And I, and, and I don't know, I just kept wanting to go this way and He kept coming back this way. So I want to be obedient to the Word of God today. I want to talk about being full. Everybody say full. You see, you can, you can be... Halfway, you can be at the top or you can be overflowing in your life with God. I want to talk about that. When I mean fullness, I mean overflowing fullness. Where it's all the way to the top and it's already coming over. Somebody say full. The word full is the word pleres. It means filled up as a hollow vessel is full. Covered. In every part, as on a surface, thoroughly permeated with, complete, or lacking nothing. It it means to be permeated with. In other words, when we talk about the word baptism, baptism is a, is a similar word to the word full. And one of the images that the biblical writers bring us, it's as a sunken ship. Now, don't think of a metal ship. Think of a first century ship. A first century ship was made out of what, people? Wood. Think about wood that has been submerged into a lake and sunk. And it soaks up the water. And over time, the wood doesn't just have the initial weight of its original peace, but it now has the weight of the water that has been fully immersed and submerged into itself by the water. That's the word we're looking at today. They were saying that we've got an issue. We've got a problem. As I stated on Wednesday, a few Wednesdays ago, we look at the New Testament and especially the book of Acts as if the church never had a problem. When somebody comes into an offering time of a service and drops dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, there's a problem. There's problems. There were problems in the New Testament church. And the Bible doesn't try to conceal those, hide those, or act like they're on Facebook and everything's okay. We're not a Facebook church even though we're on Facebook. Anybody understand what I'm saying? The church had issues, but the Bible is very clear about those issues, and the reason it's so clear is because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, they knew that we would have problems today. Anybody ever have a problem once they got saved? People have problems even after they're saved. Churches have problems even after they're saved. There's problems, but how many of you know there's not just problems, but there is a solution? <laughs> there's a solution to every problem. I remember myself, Paxson, being a Bible college student. And I remember, of course, my, course was, uh, my courses were in missions and, and those types of things and world missions. And I remember hearing one professor talk about how do you deal... With a tribe and a king of a tribe who gets saved but has multiple wives. You can't take them back to the Old Testament. And of course our immediate, well, just choose one wife and and divorce the rest, right? But in that tribe or in that culture, if you divorce, then you're literally saying to those other women, you now have no income, you're completely cut off. Is that the Christian thing to do? Interesting. There's problems in the church. And as the gospel goes into the cultures, there's cultural issues. How many of you know it's not just about individual issues, but there's cultural problems, right? The word of God has a response. And I know you want me to answer that question, but I'm not here to do that today. So you'll have to go to God about that one. Here's the thing I'm trying to say. When, when the New Testament church recognized an issue, a problem, what was their response? Their response was leadership. Let me say that again. Their response was leadership. We can't leave our position, the place that God has told us to focus on, teaching the word, getting these New Testament believers, this church that's exploding now, to disciple those people. We can't leave that right now and go over to, to wait on tables. Waiting on tables was not beneath them at all. They were just saying, we can't be in two places at once. They recognize that. So what was their response? Their response was leadership. But may I submit to you, it wasn't any leadership. It wasn't just any leadership. Oh, look, these guys have been CEOs of corporations. They should go and wait on tables. Oh, look at these guys over here. They, they've waited tables at Olive Garden, so they must be able to wait tables for our widows. So these are the qualified people. Whew. What was the qualification of this leadership? First of all, they needed to be a witness. Somebody say witness. I know some of your versions say well-respected. I understand that. But the word there is martyreo. In other words, it's not just about being a witness, but it's other people witnessing about you. Watch this. In other words, it's a reputation of God upon your life. They recognized God on these men. They recognized God on these men. And can I go ahead and say it? Because in the New Testament church, we see it later on. And we also saw it even before this. But it's not just well-respected men, but it's also well-respected women. The respect that they could witness God in them. And God upon them as a witness. So they were already active in the church. They were already active in their community. They were recognized as being a witness. But may I submit to you that there was something even more than that. Look back at verse 3. That they are to be well-respected, reputation, a witness, and are to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Full of the Spirit to you today that New Testament believers, such as then and such as now, need to be full of something. I originally titled this message, What Are You Full of? I didn't know if that was very nice. What are you filled with? What fills your life? Huh. We'll get to that in a minute. I want us to skip over to Acts chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. It's just the next verse. It says, this suggestion, now I'm moving over to the Amplified, by the way. This suggestion pleased the whole congregation, and they selected Stephen. A man, what? Full of faith in Christ Jesus and filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. And Philip Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte Gentile convert from Antioch, they brought these men before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them to dedicate and commission them for this service. Skip down to verse eight Now Stephen, full of grace, divine blessing, and favor and power, was doing great wonders and signs, attesting miracles among the people. Then you have to go to another chapter, the next chapter, chapter 7, verse 55 and 56, as we further examine this one called Stephen. But he being what? Full. Come on, guys. He being what? full of the holy spirit and led by him gazed into heaven and saw the glory the splendor and majesty of god and jesus standing at the right hand of god and he said look i see the heavens opened and welcome and the son of man standing at the right hand of god i just i, oh, I got to say this before we go back to stephen in his fullness Isn't that interesting? He says he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When you go through Scripture, you will see something. You will see many occasions of Jesus at the right hand of the Father. But he is what? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. In fact, later on, Paul tells us that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. But the Bible here declares that Stephen did not see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, but he saw him what, church? Standing at the right hand of the Father. Why was he standing? Because when you're willing to give it all for Jesus, Jesus will stand up for you to welcome you into his presence. Come on, somebody. When we come into the glory, we're not going to see Jesus sitting down at the throne. We're going to see him standing at the throne, welcome us into his presence. When we see Jesus, and I'm believing for this, when he's coming on the clouds of glory, he's not going to be seated on his throne. He's going to be standing there waiting for us, and he's going to be welcoming us. Come on, somebody. He was welcoming Stephen. By his standing, he was saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's get back to Stephen. Stephen and the others The other servers, the other seven, or the other six, were full. What were they full of? They were full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of wisdom. They were full of faith. They were full of grace. And they were full of power. Can I submit this to you? To be full, you have to be filled. Boy, that's just just mind-blowing, isn't it? To be full, you have to be, come on church, filled. So in order to, to have a glass, if I were to go back to that, I'm not going back to it, but if I were to go back to that picture, you, you see that picture of the half glass and the full glass and the overflowing glass. In order for that to get to that progression, we understand scientifically that something has to be poured out of something else into something in order for it to take up that space, correct? So when did they get filled? It says Stephen was full. It says that the other were full. But when did they get filled? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound came from heaven like a rushing, violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues resembling fire which were being distributed among them. And they rested on each one of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. Again, this is out of the Amplified. And they were all filled. The Amplified says that is diffused throughout their being. Remember that word permeated? Diffused throughout their being with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or different languages as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. When were they filled, church? They were full, but when were they filled? They were filled on the day of Pentecost. Keep going, verse 14 says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Remember by now, there's a huge crowd that is gathered and, and, and hearing the sound. Let this be explained to you. Listen closely and pay attention to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, and we'll get back to that in a minute. But these people are not drunk, as you assume, since it's only the third hour of the day, or 9 a.m. But this is the beginning of what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will what? I will pour out my Spirit upon all mankind. Would you say that with me? I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. You see, the source of the filling was God. The filler, I don't know if that's a word or not, but the filler was Jesus. But the substance was the Holy Ghost. Let me say that again. The source of the filling was God. In other words, if we were to go back into the Old Testament, we would see that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. But the river flows directly under the throne room of God. And it goes all the way. That river flows all the way from the Old Testament all the way to the last chapter of Revelation. And the source is the same. The throne of God, the everlasting one, the Father. That that source comes out of him. The filler is Jesus. Jesus said, I will baptize you, right? And then he says, the substance was the Holy Spirit. What is the substance? What was the water? The water is the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. So when were they filled? At Pentecost. How were they filled? Through the source, out of Jesus, into them, the Holy Spirit came. Now let me ask you another question. Was it a once and done feeling? I want to stop here. Some of you were raised to understand these things. Some of you have heard a message similar to this. I want you to focus right now. Because what I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to do in this message today, for those of you that have heard these scriptures, he's connecting some things for you. Because I personally believe that today, that many in the Western church don't ever hear this message anymore. And I don't know why. I don't understand why. I don't know why we would water down the water of life. For those of you that this is fairly new to, this is awesome this is good stuff here. As I've taught you many times, if something is repeated in scripture, we need to take note of every scripture. But if it's repeated over and over and over again, then we can understand there's a whole doctrine there. There's a whole teaching there. There's a whole understanding of what God is trying to teach us. And I think God's trying to teach us something about being filled today. So was it a once and done filling? In other words, did they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, immersed, filled to overflowing in the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and then it was over? Oh, they're full. The the bottle's full. The vessel's full. There's no more to be put in. We're all done here. Let's move on. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. I need to remind you. That the people who are here in Acts chapter 4 are the same individuals who were in Acts chapter 2 plus a couple of thousand. But really, if you go to the whole context of Acts chapter 4, you'll find that this is the core leadership that came together to pray. They were praying for the release of Peter, they were praying for the release of John. They were praying for them, and then Peter and John were released, and they came out of the prison, and they came and talked, and then they prayed. They talked a little bit about what happened, then they prayed. So this is the core leadership, guys. I don't know if you can make those words bigger, but I can't. I know I can barely read them from down here, so I don't know if you can make that font bigger. Acts chapter four thirty one and says, "And when they prayed, the place where they were meeting." It's coming. It's coming. One step at a time. And when they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Amplified says a sign of God's presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. I want to go back to that first part. Is that as good as you can get it? All right. They're working. Look at that. Where they were meeting together was shaken. Everybody say shaken. Look over here right now. Shaken. Can I just ask a question? Because I know things can get weird. But can I ask a question? If God comes with his presence and is willing to shake a building, how much more do you think he's willing to shake you? People are like, ah, he's starting to talk about the Holy Spirit Oh, now he's using the word ghost. Might get a little crazy. Might get a little weird. Not used to this stuff. I wasn't raised like that. I just, I find it amazing when the Holy Spirit moves and something physically happens. In other words, that there's a physical manifestation, if I could use that word. A physical sign that we're, we're in awe and wonder or we're like in denial oh I don't know if that's God they got in the flesh there brother they started shaking that's just the flesh they're just yeah can, can you do something for me right now reach over and pinch somebody right now no don't really just go ahead and pinch yourself what, what do you call that I don't know about you but I'm not in heaven yet so therefore, I, I, I am a spirit, but I exist in a body, also called the flesh. And can I tell you? Sometimes when my own spirit hits my flesh, something happens. But can I tell you, when God's spirit hits your body, something can react. I'm not saying that it happens every time. I'm not saying that if you fall down or you shake or you do this or that, that that's necessarily the sign of God. But I am telling you that I have experienced the Holy Spirit in power too many times to deny what just happened here in Acts chapter 4. I got a lot of scripture, but let me tell you a story. On Tuesday, I got the privilege to go to a chapel service with one of my sons. In this church, we have three different Bible colleges, actually four representative of those who have been or are currently going. And this is one. Pastor Nathan goes to a school called SUM, School of Urban Missions. They have a cohort in Waxahachie. And they had a chapel, and, they, and the director called me or told Nathan to ask me, and then he texted me and like three times, are you coming, you coming, you coming? Yes, I'm coming. So we went on Tuesday and had a service. It was, a, it was a powerful, two and a half hours. It was awesome what God did in that service. But I'm just speaking for me right now. At one point, the man that was ministering So powerfully grew up in the church of God. But as he was ministering, he asked just everybody, kind of like Joseph did a minute ago, just everybody stand up, hold out your hands like you're about to receive a gift. And there was no music. There was no saying, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, nothing. But can I tell you, as I just closed my eyes and said, Holy Spirit, come. Just why don't you try that? Just, Just close your eyes just for a second. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. And then it was silent like this for quite some time. And in that time, the Holy Spirit answered my prayer, and He came. How do I know He came? Because I felt him. Again, I'm not saying you have to always feel. But I'm telling you, I felt him. How did I feel him? For me, the way I felt him, Wes was like a great blanket was just draped over me. And I call it, and it's, it is a biblical term, the weightiness of God's presence it's the word for glory it means weightiness or heavy weight and as that weightiness of God's presence came over me then the gentleman who was leading the service said if you're feeling something I want you to come out into the aisle and come up to the altar listen I may be a preacher of the gospel and I may be a pastor of a church but I obey just as anybody else should and I felt something so I responded Joseph thought I was, he didn't know what was happening to me because he felt something. He was next to me. So he responded too but I was in his way. It was set up very similar to this with the middle aisle and I was just right there on the end and I came in and I was trying to move forward Chuck and, and I could hardly it was, it was like I was wading through like almost I don't know like a river or mud or something. It was so heavy. Joseph just thought I was being slow. I'm not that old Joe. <sighs> I felt his presence can I tell you sons and daughters of God have you ever known and I know this doesn't apply to everyone but have you ever known when your mom or dad walked into the room but you didn't see them yet or have you ever known for those of you that didn't apply to have you ever known somebody that you love so much and you respected so much walked in the room and you didn't even have to turn around to know they were in there You could smell them, you could feel them, you could sense them, right? It's no difference with the presence of God. When the Holy Spirit, he's here, but when he appears. Mm. Some of you are just receiving. I'll keep preaching, you just keep receiving, amen? You just keep receiving. It says that in that time they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. Same individuals. How is it that the same individuals who said that they were filled in Acts chapter 2 says that they were filled again in Acts chapter 4? What was their issue? What was their problem? What was going on with them? What kind of sin was entering into them? That the No! Sorry, I'm trying not to be loud today. Between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, you know what happened? They continued to witness the word of God. They saw a man healed of lameness for 40 years. Came leaping and jumping into the house of God. They were persecuted for their faith. And they were filled again. Why were they filled again? As my dear father-in-law says, who will be preaching next Sunday morning, that 9 a.m. service. He says, they leaked. Look at somebody and say, we leak." not WikiLeak. We, W-E, leak, L-E-A-K. We leak. Come on. Do you not feel that? Sometimes you come out of a time and a presence with God, and you're like, "Woo! God is awesome. I'm going to be able to defeat the world, and sin, and death, and everybody else's sin, and death. I'm coming this service. And then we go through our day, we go through our week and things happen. Come on, stuff happens and stuff tries to get into our vessel and stuff tries to get pushed in. And sometimes we allow that stuff to be pushed in and some of the water flows out. Sometimes it's just simple. I know through scripture that the Bible calls us an earthen vessel. Come on somebody. Have you ever had an earthen vessel? I wish I had a cup up here. Ever had an earthen vessel that you had a cup and it leaked it seeped out the edges it seeped through it's porous get down to the microscopic level and guess what we're all porous all of us Mm. we leak and we need to be filled and we need to be filled i'm please understand what i'm saying if you were baptized in the Holy Ghost and you had the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's all. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. But I also believe we need to continue to stay filled up. Can I show you this? That filling was not just a New Testament concept. Exodus chapter 31 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold and silver and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones. Wow and in carving wood. He is a master of every craft. Who's he talking about? The latest apostle? No, he's talking about a master craftsman that helped build the Ark of the Covenant, that helped build the, the, the house of God with his hands, the physical structures. He helped build them and craft them. He was a master craftsman, and yet God said, I filled him with my spirits. Can I tell you to work on the house of God? You need to be filled with the Spirit. To serve the, a widow's table, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Let's look at, Deut- look at Deuteronomy chapter 34. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the Spirit of wisdom. For Moses, watch this, had laid his hands on him. Come on, Wednesday night people. Had laid his hands on him, so the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. We talked about the doctrine of laying on of hands. And he here we see it again. Moses laid his hands on Joshua and at that moment he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Who is the spirit of wisdom? The Holy Spirit. Come on. By the way, Joshua not an apostle, not a prophet, not a preacher, a warrior. Micah chapter 3 verse 8 finally a prophet. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord. I am filled with justice and strength to boldly declare Israel's sin and rebellion. I teach this to all of my missions groups. When we go on missions trips, I teach this to people, and I need to teach it to you again. Why don't you say this with me? Do we have it on the screen? But as for me, come on, church. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and strength. To do what? To proclaim. To proclaim. You see, Micah's message was to proclaim and declare Israel's sin and rebellion. He was coming as a prophet, reminding them of who they, who they had become, but then he reminded them later of who they could become and who they originally were. But he said, I'm filled. When the enemy comes at you and says, You're not filled with the Spirit, you turn back to him and you say, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and strength. So we see the filling of the Spirit in the Old Testament. We see the Spirit of the filling in the New Testament church. But was there a filling of the Spirit before Jesus died? Before he rose again, yes, there was. Both John the Baptist, I'm not going to read these scriptures. Both John the Baptist in the womb and his mother Elizabeth were filled with the Holy Spirit when Jesus, still in the womb of Mary, entered the room. That's Luke 1, 15 and 41. Then John's father later, Zechariah, was filled with the Spirit and prophesied. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Three or four different instances there. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit's power, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Filled, he was also filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and then he got something that I think we all need right now. He was filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, this was not just a day of Pentecost phenomenon. Saul was filled with the Spirit three days after he was saved, years after the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. At Cornelius' house, an Italian centurion, there was a fresh outpouring in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, and it says, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speak speaking in tongues, and praising God. Again, there's a manifestation. When you're filled with the Spirit, something happens. Acts chapter 13 verse 52, and the disciples, and I love this word, and the disciples were continually filled throughout their hearts and souls with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that should be our goal? To be continually filled up. To whatever comes in. Whatever we leak out. We just come to the Father every day. And say, Father, you promised that you are the source of living water. Jesus, you said that out of your innermost being. Or out of our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. Would you fill me up again today? Fill me up to overflowing. At Corinth, many, many years after the day of Pentecost outpouring. There was another outpouring in Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Notice that key word. They were disciples. And asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. This is one of the saddest verses for me. Because while much of the New Testament church and the modern church has heard of the Holy Spirit, yet they still do not receive his fullness. They answered no. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Did you hear that? I I don't want to go into too much theology here or mess with somebody's baptism theology here. But there is a baptism in the name of Jesus. In other words, they were fully saved at that moment. They had repented from their sins with John. Now they understood that Jesus was the one coming that John preached about, and they received him in Jesus' name. Then, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. It's interesting. It doesn't say they were filled with the Holy Spirit, yet it says that they spoke in tongues and prophesied, so we understand what happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, because there was an evidence that something happened. May I submit to you that being full of the Holy Spirit was not an act thing that faded. I've just taken you through history very quickly. I need you to see this. This was not just an Acts thing or an Old Testament thing or a pre-Jesus thing or just a Jesus thing or just an Acts thing or just anything. It was became a central doctrine of the New Testament church that was taught in every place the kingdom expanded. For time's sake, I just want to reference these. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible declares that we are to be filled with the Spirit. What is this? This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church be filled with the Spirit be filled with the Spirit in verse 18 don't get drunk with wine for that is wickedness but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him then he says an outflow of that is speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs praise and worship flows out of those who are filled with the Spirit Colossians chapter 1 again Paul the Apostle instructs the New Testament believers there at Colossae. Be filled with the Spirit. We continually ask God to fill you with the Spirit. Being full of the Spirit is for us. Look at your neighbor and say being full of the Spirit is for us. John chapter 7. It says at the last most important day of the feast Jesus stood up and cried in a loud voice If anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink And he who believes in me as the scriptures said from his innermost being will flow rivers of continual living water He was speaking of the Holy Spirit verse 39 whom those who believed in him as savior were yet to receive afterward the spirit had not yet be, been given Because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was prophesying about what would happen on the day of Pentecost. About what would happen in Corinth. About what would happen in Ephesians. About what would happen in Colossae. And about what would happen today. Can I tell you when you're full of the Holy Spirit. Everything else comes with him. Wisdom, faith, grace, power. So much. So much. I want to close with this by going back to Ephesians chapter 5. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness. But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. I don't want a raise of hands. But have you ever been drunk? Don't raise your hand. I can honestly say I've never been drunk. I've never tasted alcohol that I know of. I think one time some of my friends spiked a drink. When I was 18, I felt a little woozy, but I can't confirm that nor deny that they lied about it. But anyway, I can't confirm or deny that. But other than some wine and some good spaghetti sauce, I've never had a taste of alcohol. Never drank from a cup. Never drank from a bottle. So I must admit to you, I don't understand what it means to be drunk In the natural, but I do understand this because I've talked to a lot of drunks while they're drunk. I've ministered to people pulling out that root of drunkenness out of their life. I've talked to many people who were former alcoholics, and I can tell you this if you want to remain drunk, you have to keep drinking. You see, because Being drunk only lasts for a time until when? Until the effects of the drink wear off. Then you're sober. You may only be sober for a day, a week, a month, 10 minutes. But you're sober at some point. And then at which point the destructive behavior continues in its path and you go back to the drink and you keep drinking to remain drunk. May I submit to you that Ephesians chapter 5 gives us a better way. But I will say this, if you want to stay filled with the Spirit, keep drinking from the water of life. Stop drinking from other wells. Stop drinking from other sieves. Stop drinking from other bottles. Stop drinking from what others have and begin to drink of the living water of life that is available to you. And here's the cool thing, you have got a source right inside you. If you are filled with the Spirit, then you have a source that's already there. You don't have to go to Him meaning you don't have to go to a person you just have to go back to the source and the source is Jesus and he's ready to fill you again and again and again and again and again Galatians says so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh guess what if you are filled with the spirit you will stop gratifying the sinful nature That's one way you know you're not full. It's one way you know you're not completely overflowing in the spirit is if you keep going back to the sieve of sin. Then you know, God, I need you. I need to be full of your spirit. So how are you filled? Jesus told us in Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to break it down very quickly by the Acrostic, ask. I don't know if it'll come up. I'm not worried about it. Watch this. Ask. Are you ready? What's the first thing to do? Ask. (laughs) Greek word there is ateo. It means to ask, to beg, to call for, to crave, to desire, to require. Have you ever gone to God and said, God, require fullness? Because without fullness... I'm just not who I was called to be. God, I ask you to fill me to overflowing. God, I ask, what does that mean? It means you have to humble yourself and admit you're thirsty. You have to humble yourself and say, you know what? On the outside and to the social media world and even to my church family, I may look like everything's okay, but God, I'm thirsty. I need a drink. I need to be filled. We have to humble ourselves and ask. Next is seek. Zateo. It means to seek after, to seek for, to aim for, to strive for. What does that mean? Seek has to do with these. Look at me. It has to do with these, it has to do with your eyes. Asking has to do with your mouth. Seeking has to do with your eyes. You're seeking after. You're saying, God, I'm looking for you. Open your eyes and start focusing on him. Go after what Jesus has already provided for you. That's part of our problem is we're looking around for everything else. Oh, if I could just have more money, if I could just have more love, if I could just have more this, if I could just have more that. And Jesus is saying, look to me, seek me. You see, when I, when I pray for somebody to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, sometimes they're like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And they're saying a lot of stuff. And I say, you know what? Just stop for a minute. You've already asked. Now just seek him. Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. I honor you. Can I tell you there's something powerful that happens in Worship something powerful that happens when you just say, Lord, I'm just looking at you. I just want to be in your presence. And then, the last one, knock. Everybody say knock. Cruo or Cruel. This literally means to knock with a heavy blow. Lord, I've asked, I'm seeking you. Now I'm knocking. What does knocking have to do with? It's an action of faith. It's an action of faith. The other time that knock is used, it's used about, I think, eight or nine times in the New Testament. One of the most famous times is Jesus in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door, and I put a heavy blow onto the door of your heart. And anyone who opens up to me, I will come in and I will eat with him. I believe that Jesus has been knocking. It's time for us to knock back. What does that mean? It means to do something. So as we're asking, as we're seeking, And I'm not saying that this is the perfect pattern. Sometimes we do something, and then we seek, and then we ask. Sometimes we seek, and then we ask, and then we do something. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a formula type thing. But I believe that these are three important ingredients to the mix. Sometimes we just have to step out. That's why I think it's important. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to come down to this altar. And I'm going to ask them to just put on some music because I want, I want in just a minute even the worship team to be able to and be included in this. And sometimes just by that action of stepping out, sometimes just by stepping out, by getting up, it's an action of faith. We see this throughout the scripture. We see this with Jesus when he was, when he was healing the sick. He would tell them to step out, to stand up, to get up you're telling somebody who's been paralyzed all their life to get up. Why? Because he wanted them to activate their faith. So sometimes just by stepping out, we're activating our faith. And as Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 11, he says at the end of that, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, being evil, that is sinful by nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give you a new Mercedes? Or give you a mansion on the hilltop? Hello? Nothing wrong with those things. But that's not what the passage says, is it? And sometimes we apply this passage to what Jesus is saying to be about things. But what is this passage? He says it right there. How much more will your heavenly father. Give the Holy Spirit. To those who ask. And continue to ask him. Jesus said. When you come to that day. wherever day it is. If it's April 28th. 2019, and you want the Holy Spirit to fill you up, then simply ask, knock, seek. Come on after me. Come and desire me. Come after me. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And I will pour out in him streams of living water. This, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. How is it that we in the New Testament church ignore The filling of the Holy Spirit. How is it that we, in the, as my father-in-law said, even in the Pentecostal charismatic realms, ignore the fullness of the Spirit? Why are we trying to hide one of the greatest gifts of all that Jesus promised to those who believed? Why are we hiding that from the world? It's one of the most incredible, one of the most adventurous, one of the most exhilarating gifts. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit because with the gift of the Holy Spirit, you get everything else. Grace, faith, power, wisdom, and so much more. Joy. I'm going to make a bold statement right here and right now. Can I tell you the answer to depression in the United States of America? It's joy in the Holy Ghost. Whew. Would you stand? Just real quiet, guys. I completely believe that the Holy Spirit wants to pour out himself on us today. But not just today. Tomorrow. And the next day and the next day. I came home and my wife asked me, she didn't get to go to the chapel. She asked me, she said, what did you, Ricky Franklin, get out of this? Because I was telling her about everything else. What did you get out? And I said, honey, one of the things I got out of this is that this is that which we were called to. I can tell you, out of all the callings of my life, out of all the things I know God has called me to do, plant churches, send missionaries, go myself, raise up the next generation, empower men of God, raise up families, minister to the orphans and the widows. Out of all those things and more that I'm called to do, I can tell you I know for a surety that this is one thing I'm called to do. And that's to bring the church of Jesus Christ back to its roots of being filled with the spirit and power. Because it's in that place by which the world will be changed. It's not through the internet. It's not through great uh, sermons. It's not through great examples. It's not through all of that. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what will happen? God will fill people with his Holy Spirit. And if he wants them to build great churches, then he'll have them build great churches. If he wants them to go and preach the gospel in Zambia, they'll go preach the gospel in Zambia. If, they, if he wants them to raise up powerful orphanages where it'll turn those orphans into sons and daughters of God, then that's what they'll do. Whatever it is that the Spirit... And empowers you to do. You cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot even just do it just by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. That's that's salvation. That's the beginning. But it's not the end. He has called us and commanded us be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you may do what you're called to do effectively. So my call today Is not simply for those who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. My call today is for the church of Jesus Christ to be filled. And be filled. And be filled. So this is the simple call. If you feel. And you know. Not feel. F-E-E-L. If you know. That you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Want to be filled and continually filled I come and just line up here today I want you to come and just line up here all across this altar and you may have to go around a little bit on the edges but just come stand shoulder to shoulder if you know you're a believer in Jesus Christ come because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something in you today this is not saying oh I'm 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 a little thirsty or no I'm saying if you're a believer in Jesus Christ come If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ then make him your lord and savior right now Come on church Come on people He's offering you more today Lift your hands Lift your hands just seek him for a moment. Just say, Holy Spirit, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Father God, I love you. I praise you. I honor you, Jesus. Just seek you right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, 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 come, Holy Spirit. If you're listening to this right now, you're listening online and you're listening and watching on Facebook later on this week, I want you to know even in your very room right now, even in your vehicle, God can fill you right where you're at. Right where you're at, the Holy Spirit could come and fill you up. Just ask Him. Seek Him. Seek Him right now. Hallelujah. 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 Now, would you just ask Him? Would you say, Holy Spirit, come fill me up to overflowing? Come fill me up to overflowing. I know you've got a work for me to do. I know you've got a plan for me, a purpose for me. Come fill me up to overflowing in Jesus' name. Overflow, overflow. I want to be so full that I'm overflowing. I'm overflowing. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Now, this is what I'm going to do. You just continue to seek him, and I'm just going to come by. And it's not me, it's the him. You know that. We've gotten beyond that. I'm going to come and I'm going to place my hands in your hands. I'm going to anoint you with oil. And this is that knocking part. This is the action of faith part. You just put out your hands like you're going to receive a gift and and then just receive it. But you just keep seeking him. And as I come to you, when I come to you, I, I don't want you begging. I don't want you asking at that point. I want you to just receive. Sometimes we have a hard time receiving. If somebody's about to give you a gift, you don't have to say anything except thank you. If you want to say thank you, say thank you. But say thank you to him as you receive the gift that he wants to pour out. Some of you may may have a physical manifestation. Some of you may not feel anything. Either one is okay. You just say, thank you, Lord. I receive what you have for me today in this house, in this place, in this time, and receive what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Are you ready? Let's go.